hopefully it'd be worth your time. So, uh, like I said, uh, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, and uh, we'll begin in uh, verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice, and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be able to appreciate our mothers and to have a special focus on them for all they do, for what they are to us, for just everything about them, Lord. Um, a lot of us wouldn't be where we are today without our mothers. And I just pray that you bless all the mothers that are listening and all the mothers that have just helped many Christians to be who they are. I pray that you'd be a pastor, that you would uh, give him the words to say, the wisdom to speak, and that uh, he would just say what you want to Thank you, Jacob. And I'll just say this. It will be worth your time to tune in tonight. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that message. Well, last Sunday, if you were uh, remember, if you got a chance to tune in and listen to that message, last Sunday, uh, we looked at the magnifying man, all right? We talked about and we did a little survey of the life of John the Baptist. And when he said, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so we talked about the magnifying man last Sunday. And today we're going to be talking about the magnifying mom today here on Mother's Day. Now, here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, our church theme, if you can see it behind me, is Magnify the Lord, and that's our church theme for the year 2020, and I thought it would be appropriate to, uh, this morning for us to look at Mary, who said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She was a lady, she was a mom, who decided to fulfill uh, the theme that we have as a church, and so I thought it would be appropriate to look at that uh, this morning. I remember a or I read a story this week about a Sunday school teacher who had just finished telling her class the Christmas story. Well, after telling the story, the teacher asked the class, uh, who do you think the most important woman in all of the Bible was? Well, of course, the teacher was expecting one of the kids to say Mary. But instead, one little boy raised his hand and said, I know, teacher, the most important woman in all the Bible is Eve. So the teacher asked him, she said, now, why do you think Eve was the most important woman in the Bible? And the little boy replied, well, because they named two days of the year after Eve. You know, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And uh, while that is true, uh, Mary is definitely a significant lady, to, to say the least, in the entire story of the Word of God. She had the incredible unbelievable privilege of being the mother of the Messiah. Unbelievable, tremendous privilege. And yet Mary, in her motherhood, no doubt experienced all of the challenges of motherhood, just like 
You, just like all the moms have experienced. Now, contrary to the popular belief that Mary was a perpetual virgin and had only given birth to Jesus Christ, the truth is, according to the Bible, she had multiple children over the course of her life. Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 and 56 says this, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren... James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? So from these verses, we learn that Mary had at least seven children. Uh, she had five boys and at least two girls because it says sisters. It could have been many more than that. And so uh, Mary did her part in replenishing the earth uh, she, but she uh, had, with all these children, I'm sure she faced the typical challenges of a mother. Uh, in fact, a few weeks ago, we learned about an incident in which she was frustrated with, with Jesus. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, uh, after she and Joseph left Jerusalem to head back to Nazareth, they both thought he was with the other families and turned out that he was still back in Jerusalem in the temple conversing with the learned men. Well, when they found him, you can tell there was a little frustration in the heart of Mary. And in Luke chapter 2, in verse number 48, it says this, When they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. I'm not sure if she did any snapping. I'm not sure if she did any head wagging or, you know, uh, hand on the hip. I'm not sure what she did, but there was definite frustration uh, I'm sure, in the heart of, uh, of Mary there. And so she knows what it's like to be a mom with challenges that, that, uh, that you face. She knew the struggles. She knew the challenges. And yet she was, as the Bible says, highly favored and blessed among women. She was indeed a special lady, to be sure. But I do want to make it very clear this morning that she was not a sinless lady as some religions teach. Mary was a sinner like all of us who desperately needed a Savior. And we'll get to that a little later in the message. But even though Mary wasn't perfect and she was a sinner just like all of us, she was a mom who decided to magnify the Lord. In verse number 46 here, as she begins her uh, time of worship to the Lord, she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And so she had a desire and a heart to indeed fulfill our church theme for 2020, and that was to magnify the Lord. She desired to do that, and I would say that she did a good job at doing it. Now the question is, how did she magnify the Lord as a mom? And, and what lessons can we learn from her life that will help us as well to magnify the Lord in our own lives? As, as moms, yes, but also as dads, as just Christians, uh, I believe there's lessons from the life of Mary that all of us can apply today. And certainly, moms, there's going to be tremendous application for you as well. Uh, but, uh, but for those of us who aren't moms, there's some application that we can make uh, in this message as well. So first of all, I want us to notice uh, this morning, and uh, for those moms who got one of those outlines, you can take that out and help you take notes and help you know how close I am to the end of the message so that you can uh, get to your Mother's Day lunch. Uh, but uh, first of all, I want us to notice this morning uh, in uh, the magnifying mom here, she was first of all pure. Mary was pure. 
Now, for her to be the mother of Jesus, it was absolutely essential for her to be pure. This was one of the requirements. Uh, Back in Isaiah, it says, Therefore a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. So Mary had to be pure. Mary had to be a virgin. This was the key requirement for the mother of the Son of God. And I'm glad to announce to you this morning that she qualified. Were there times of temptation that she faced with being engaged to Joseph? I would imagine there were times. I would imagine there were times of temptation that she faced to not be a virgin, to lose her purity. But I'm praise the Lord, and I'm sure she's so thankful that she decided to maintain her purity. Now I want to talk to the young people of Cornerstone Baptist Church this morning. I know that this is a Mother's Day message, but again, as I mentioned, there's going to be application for, for multiple groups of people, for really all believers. But I do want to talk to the young people of Cornerstone Baptist Church. Look, God still desires that His people would live in purity. I know it's 2020, but listen, God never changes. His Word never changes. His Word still says, for this is the will of God, this is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, where Paul said, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. God's Word still says in 1 Peter chapter number 2, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Look, friend, God still desires that all of the young people here at Cornerstone Baptist Church would one day stand at their wedding altar as pure virgins, just like Mary was. God still desires that. Again, were there times of temptation? Absolutely, I imagine there were. I'm telling you, God wants all of us to live in purity. Uh, You say, well, Mary was... When she got married, she had a very healthy relationship. And yet, there's no indication of her uh, cheating on Joseph. Uh, The Bible doesn't really tell us what happened to Joseph. We can only assume that he did pass away uh, early on after some of these children were born. But there's no indication of any any, uh, impropriety with, uh, with Mary. Mary was pure. And I want to encourage the young people in here to decide to remain pure. Here are some statistics about abstinence. If you survey 100 young people who remain pure, they've abstained from any sexual contact. contact. There, out of 100 young people who remain pure, there are zero unwanted pregnancies. There are zero sexually transmitted diseases, and there is zero regret and zero guilt. Look, it it pays to be pure. And Mary uh, reaped some tremendous benefits because she decided to be pure. And uh, one of the reasons that she was able to magnify the Lord is because she was willing to be obedient in this area. And I want to encourage the young people to be obedient in this area. Oh, I know, it's, I know the culture doesn't say that this is a good thing to do. I know that our flesh 
uh, doesn't really like this idea, but I'm telling you, God likes it, and God does reward those who are pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said, for they shall see God. So Mary was pure. Verse number 27 in this in Luke chapter 1, it says this, To a virgin, uh, this, ga- this uh, angel Gabriel appeared to a virgin, a spouse to a man. Um, he wasn't going to just appear to just anybody who wasn't a virgin. No, no, he, he needed a virgin to fulfill prophecy, to fulfill uh, the fact that Jesus would be the Son of God as well as the Son of Man. So Mary was, first of all, pure. But I want us to see, secondly, Mary was submissive to the Lord. So in uh, verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused. And then he begins to explain what's going to happen to Mary. He begins to announce to her that she's going to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, God in human flesh, she was going to have the amazing privilege to be the mother of the Son of God. Well, what was her response to this? I mean, I imagine she had the the dreams of, of living the Israelite dream, you know, to get married, to have children, to have a normal life. Well, that was about to completely change overnight. And what was Mary's response? I know. She threw a fit. She said, no, 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 go find someone else. That's not for me. Uh, no, she, she whined and griped and complained, right? No, that's not what happened. That's not how she responded at all. Here's how she responded in verse number 38. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. He said, Lord, here I am, just a humble servant woman. I want you to be it unto me according to your word. Whatever you say, I'm willing to do. She was submissive to uh, the Lord. Can I ask you this question? How submissive are you when the Lord makes his will known to you? When he completely changes your plans, and again, Mary had plans. But here comes the the angel Gabriel and says, your plans are going out the window. God has something different in mind. How would you respond to something like that? Now, it's not like Mary had an appointment with Gabriel on her calendar that, you know, it notified her that morning, oh, uh, an angel's going to come and and, uh, change your life. She did, it came completely out of the blue. She wasn't maybe pr- really prepared for it. And yet it came out of the blue. I'll never forget, it was March 2nd, 2018. My wife and I were on a date night at Silver Star Steak Company restaurant in Helena, Montana. After we ordered our food, uh, we were having conversation, and my phone was to my left-hand side, and all of a sudden it began to ring. We were on a date night. It's really not great date etiquette to answer a phone call during a date, but I decided to do that because I noticed that it was from Oklahoma, and I didn't know anybody in Oklahoma, and I thought, hmm, this is strange. So I picked up the call, picked up the phone, and answered it, and it was a Randy Nutt with a little bit of an Oklahoma accent 
from Moore, Oklahoma, asking if I would consider praying about the opportunity to become a pastor in Oklahoma. My exact words, I believe, that night were, that's not really on my radar, but I will pray about it. You know, I didn't have an appointment that day to say, oh, uh, somebody from Oklahoma is going to call and see if you'd be willing to uh, move your family all the way from Montana to Oklahoma. But you know what? I'm glad that I decided to be submissive to the Lord in that. I'm glad that the Lord did direct us here, and I'm glad that uh, we were obedient in that because it is a blessing to be here at Cornerstone Baptist Church with all of you, and I'm looking forward to being with all of you physically here next Sunday. But Mary was submissive to the Lord. Are you submissive to the Lord? As they say, God knows your phone number, and for me, that <laughs> was a perfect example of that. God knew Mary's phone number too, and so he came and told her that, look, her life was about to change. Are you willing to be submissive to him in the big things and in the little things? And to that still small voice that tells you and prompts you to do something or to stay away from something that you are about to do? Are you submissive to the Lord? Her submissive showed her humility and her willingness to let God change her plans. And uh, this uh, record here, this event, is one of the most wonderful and beautiful examples of submission to the will of God in all the Bible. And probably one of the other ones is when Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. And then the other one, probably the greatest of them all, was when Jesus was willing to submit to the will of God there in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was about to face the cross and become my sin and yours and become the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. And when God changes your plans, how submissive are you? Because many times he does like to change our plans. By the way, hasn't he changed all of our plans in the last couple months? How's your attitude been with all of that? And Mary was saying, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to buck against it. I'm not going to whine and complain about it. No, I'm going to embrace it. Mary did. Her whole life from that moment on was completely different because she was willing to submit. Not only was she submissive, but she then encouraged others to be submissive later on. In John chapter 2, as uh, we come to the very first miracle that Jesus ever did, he did at a, at a wedding the wedding there in Cana as he turned all that water into wine. What a tremendous miracle and, and the first miracle that Jesus ever did. Well, in that particular passage in John chapter 2 and verse number 5, here's one of the words of Mary that are recorded in the Bible. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And so she was encouraging those servants then to be submissive to the Lord, just like she was right here in Luke chapter 1. You see, she had learned how wonderful it is when you do submit to the Lord. What a blessing it is to be in submission to Him. And so she was encouraging others, hey, whatever he says to do, you should just do it. And so, friend, whatever God is telling you to do, do it. Submit to Him. Stop fighting Him. 
By the way, if you force your will upon God, he may let you have it. And uh, I was reading uh, this week in the book of uh, Psalms, and, and uh, in one of them he said they, they basically wanted their will, and then he, he let them have their will and sent leanness unto their soul. So be careful what you force. God's not going to force his will upon you. You need to submit to it. But if you don't and you force your will upon God, he may just let you have it. And I guarantee it's not going to be the right choice. So how did Mary magnify the Lord? Well, she was, first of all, she was pure. She lived a pure life. And I want to encourage all of us to do the same. And then Mary was, secondly, submissive to the Lord. And I want to encourage all of us to do that as well. But then thirdly, I want us to see this morning that Mary had a walk with God. She had a walk with the Lord. Uh, As we come here to verse number 46 of Luke chapter 1, after her conversation with Elizabeth, she, she breaks out into this time of worship to the Lord in verse number 46. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And I'll let you take the time, maybe a little later on, to read through this whole prayer of Mary's. But a couple aspects I want to point out here. It's very evident to me that Mary had a walk with the Lord. She, she loved the Lord. And, and how do I know that? Well, I think, first of all, uh, I know that because she knew the Scriptures. She knew the Scriptures. Uh, if you have a, a cross-reference uh, column there in your Bible, you may notice that as we begin verse 46, it points to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1-10, through 10, when Hannah prayed and uh, blessed the Lord when uh, Samuel was given to the Lord. Uh, you see, Mary knew the Scripture. She uh, remembered that. This, she was familiar with the Word of God. She was familiar with 1 Samuel chapter number 2. Uh, so much so, she was familiar with it, that she had this portion really committed to memory. And so when it was time to pray, I mean, this just came from her heart. And uh, she had it in her heart, and out it came in her mouth in prayer and praise to the Lord. Now, moms, I'll talk to the moms again. I know that you have something called a mother's intuition. And there is something that I don't understand about it. Uh, My wife, you know, as they say, you know, they have eyes on the back of their head. Uh, There's not eyes in the back of my wife's head, but there could be because she does see quite a bit. (laughs) She sees a lot more than I see. Uh, A mom has tremendous intuition, and that, I think, is a gift from the Lord. And and yet, I do want to mention this, though. Nothing replaces wisdom that comes from God's Word. And so, moms... Don't just rely upon your intuition. Don't just rely upon your mama bear instincts. Though those are wonderful, though those are a gift from the Lord, also rely upon the wisdom that comes from this book. So I want to encourage all of the moms to read it, to memorize it, to study it, to love it, and most of all, to live it out. 
Do you know how to help your children navigate through life using Scripture? If you don't, I want to encourage you to learn how to do that because really that's what they need. They don't just need your personal experience, though that's good and helpful. They don't need just your, you know, again, mother's intuition and your discernment, which are a gift, I'm sure. But they need scriptural wisdom to navigate through life. And, and moms, you need to give that to them. And dads, you and I do too. I'll get to dads here in a month. Maybe we'll pray for the rapture before that happens. But anyway, um, now I was thinking about a young man in the Bible who, uh, as Paul said, knew the Holy Scriptures. His name was Timothy. He knew the, the Scriptures, and the Bible says, and that from a child he knew the Scriptures. Well, where did he learn these Scriptures from? Uh, he must have watched a bunch of YouTube tutorials. He must, he must have gone to a bunch of Sunday school classes. He must have done other things. No, here's how he learned it, according to First uh, and Second Timothy. He learned it from his mom and his grandma. They were the ones imparting the Word of God into uh, their young Timothy's life. Mom, I want to encourage you to do that as well. Moms wear a lot of hats as they raise their children. I was thinking about this, they, they put on the hat of doctor many times. I mean, when a child gets injured, uh, the dad's response is usually, hey, just walk it off, you know, stop crying, you big baby. Of course, when the dad gets hurt, it's stop the world, uh, let's address my issue and let everybody uh, have sympathy for me. But when, at least that's the way it is in my house, but when my children get hurt, I kind of ignore it and uh, pretend like it didn't even happen. But mama... No, she is the one who, who, who says, oh, come here, let me take a look, and, and uh, let me kiss the, your boo-boo and make it all better. Let me, let me get a nice big Band-Aid on it. Even if it doesn't need a Band-Aid, she'll put a Band-Aid on it because everybody knows that the owie gets better once you put a Band-Aid on it. So mom's put on the hat of a doctor. Mom's also put on the, uh, the hat of a nutritionist. And I'm so glad that they... They do put that hat on, because if it weren't for them, we'd be in big trouble. My wife and uh, young ch- uh, three youngest children were gone for a few days last week, and, and so uh, my, uh, my son Seth and I, we went shopping. And so we got the essentials for uh, us and for our survival, and I think we have a picture of it to put there on the screen for you. And so we have all the major food groups uh, covered here. We have uh, Oreo cookies. We have licorice. We have Arizona tea. We do have some Hostess cupcakes there. Uh, some pizza, because uh, we want to be somewhat healthy, you know. And then we have uh, the uh, wonderful A&W root beer. And so you can see why it's a good thing for Seth to not have me as his nutritionist. Um, and so anyway, we had fun with that, and uh, we, we ate it up and enjoyed uh, some good, nutritious uh, food. But look, moms need to put on the hat of nutritionist, and so they put on the hat of that. They also put the hat of uh, educators. A lot of moms have had to put that hat on recently, uh, when basically most moms who have young children uh, here in America have instantly become 
a homeschool mom. And uh, so they uh, have put on that particular hat. Uh, they put on the hat of financial planners, helping them to make wise choices with their finances. They put on the hat of psychologists. They put on the hat of uh, relationship coach. And uh, especially as they get older and have these different relationships with uh, the opposite gender and trying to help navigate through that, moms are, are very good at helping with that. Uh, physical trainers and definitely uh, moms are good at putting on this hat. That's the hat of protector. Uh, don't mess with my kids, you know what I mean? Uh, you can mess with me, but don't mess with my kids. And then all of a sudden, it's mama bear's claws start coming out. Uh, but there's one hat that mo Christian moms must never forget to put on. And that's the hat of spiritual mentor. You can do all of these things and you can have a, a, a child uh, end up becoming very successful and wealthy and, and all of those things in society. And that, that's great. But, but if you haven't taught them the spiritual truth of the word of God, if you haven't imparted the scriptures to your, your child, you've really missed something so very important. So moms, don't skip out on that one. Yes, be a good doctor, be a good nutritionist, be a good educator, be all of those things, but don't forget to be a spiritual mentor in your children's lives. Okay, so we know that Mary had a walk with God because she knew the scriptures. But then she also knew how to pray. She knew how to pray in verses 46, 47, and on through uh, really about uh, verse 54, 55 here. Uh, was a big prayer to the Lord. Now, it's interesting. Again, her whole life has been radically changed. She could have been like going to Elizabeth and saying, you know what? My life is totally different. My, my life's ruined. I wanted to do this, but then God changed it to that. She could have taken that time to worry and fret and especially, okay, I'm going to start showing soon. People are going to start seeing me expecting a baby, and they're going to be thinking the worst. She could have been spending her time worrying and fretting and complaining about the radical change she was experiencing, but instead of worrying, she chose to worship. I want to talk this morning very quickly about the power of a mama's prayer. Mamas out there, you have a tremendous resource, and that is called prayer. Mary knew how to pray. I want to encourage you to know how to pray as well and to uh, faithfully pray for your children. Theodore Roosevelt once said this, praying mothers are America's greatest assets. Not, uh, not our farms, not any of those things. No, praying moms are our greatest assets. D.L. Moody, and I've shared this story once before here at our church, but I'll share it again. D.L. Moody used to tell the story of a man who came to him and told him his life story. And he said this, When the Mexican War began, I wanted to enlist. My mother, seeing I was resolved, said, Well, if I became a Christian, I might go and, and, join, that, and join the army. Well, she pleaded and prayed that I might become a Christian, but I just wouldn't become a Christian. I didn't want to do it. And I said, you look, when the war was over, then I would become a Christian, but not until then. Well, all her pleading was in vain, and at last, when I was going away, 
she took out a watch and said, uh, my son, your, your father uh, left this watch to me when he died. I want you to take it. And I want you to remember that every day at 12 o'clock noon, that your mother will be praying for you. Then she gave me her Bible and marked out some passages and put a few different references in the flyleaf of that Bible. Well, I took the watch and the Bible just because my mother gave them. I never really intended to read the Bible. So I went off to Mexico, and one day, while on a long, weary march, I took out my watch to see what time it was. And it was, you guessed it, 12 o'clock noon. He said, I had been gone for four months, but I remembered that my mother at that very moment was praying for me. Something prompted me to ask the officer to relieve me for a little while, and I stepped behind a tree out on those plains of Mexico, and I cried out to the God of my mother to save me. Well, God did save him, and after the Mexican War was ended, he said, I've enlisted again to see if I can do any good for my master's cause. Look, Mom, God's given you a tremendous resource to get to the heart of your children, and that's called prayer. Are you using that resource? Or is it sitting there on the shelf not being used? Please pray for your children. Please pray for your children. Mary knew how to pray. And as a mom, that's an essential thing to know how to do. Pray for your children. You've got wayward children. Pray for them. Pray for them. So Mary had a walk with the Lord. But then I want us to see, fourthly, uh, this morning, Mary had faith in God to perform miracles. She had faith in God to perform miracles. As I mentioned and I alluded to that, the first miracle that Jesus ever did in, uh, in his public ministry was there at that wedding in Cana. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 2. I just want you to see one verse here, or a couple verses. John chapter 2, and uh, verse number uh, 2, that says, And Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Verse number 3 says, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, and here's these four words, They have no wine. Now, there was something about the way that she said those four words, they have no wine, that made Jesus realize she was asking him to do a miracle. I don't know if it was the tone in which she said it. I don't know if it was the countenance on her face or maybe some body language like, hey, they have no wine. You know what to do, son. Uh, but there was something about the way she said it that made Jesus realize, and of course, he knows all that goes on in each of our hearts and lives. He knows what all of us are thinking. But in verse number four, here's what his response was. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. He knew that she was asking him to do a miracle. And uh, of course, his wording here sounds a little harsh, uh, but uh, I was reading through this or some studying this passage out, and really it wasn't as harsh as it sounds here. Uh, he was basically saying, I may wait until we're totally out of wine, until we're ready uh, to do the miracle. But in any case, the point I want to make this morning is that Mary had faith in God to perform miracles. 
Moms, do you need a miracle? Well, could I remind you and let you know this morning that the very first person to ask Jesus to perform a miracle was a mom? Mary believed that Jesus could provide that wine. She had faith. Of course, she had experienced a miracle of her own when she gave birth to Jesus in the first place. But she knew that Jesus was different and that Jesus could do miracles. Friend, if you need a miracle, have faith that God can do miracles. For those of us who have been saved, the greatest miracle in all of our lives has already taken place. The salvation of our souls, the forgiveness of sin, and the gift of eternal life. All of those things have already been given in the greatest miracle of all in our lives, salvation. So any other miracle that we may need in our life is easy peasy compared to that other one. So let's have faith that God can provide. Let's have faith that God will come through and that God will do what he needs to. Remember, faith without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's have faith that God can do miracles. God's the same God as, John, as he was in John chapter 2. As he was in Exodus chapter, uh, in, in the book of Exodus, as he performed all the different miracles of the ten plagues, of the parting of the Red Sea, of providing manna and water and all of those things. That's the same God that you and I serve today. And he's still in the miracle working business and he can still do miracles in our families, in our finances, in our health. He still can. Let's have faith that he will. Let's have faith that he will. Mary magnified the Lord in all of these areas. And finally, I want us to see, uh, fifthly, this, this morning that Mary was faithful. Here's how she showed tremendous uh, showed how she magnified the Lord in a tremendous way is by being faithful to her Lord. John chapter 2, if you go all the way to John chapter number 19, if you would please. I want us to see here that Mary stayed with her Lord and stayed faithful to her God and to her Son through the thick and the thin, through uh, easy times and wonderful times and difficult times as well. In uh, John chapter 19 and verse number 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus. The first person that John mentions here is his mother. His mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. But the first person listed there at the cross of Jesus was his mom. Look, there's, there's something special about a relationship between a mom and her children, for sure. But I think it was far more important, or far more than just a mother-son relationship here. I think it was a mother realizing that he was the Savior as well. And so when most of his followers scattered, scattered out of fear, when one of his disciples betrayed him with a kiss, when, when few attended his crucifixion, there was his mom. His mom was faithful. His mom was faithful. She stayed faithful to him when others had forsaken him. But not only was she there at the cross of Calvary, she was also there in Acts chapter number 1. If you flip over one or two pages in your Bible to Acts chapter number 1. So Jesus dies on the cross. He's buried. Three days later, he rises from the grave. He, he's around and walks around this earth 
uh, for 50 days and then ascends up into heaven in Acts chapter number 1. Well, verse number 13, it says this, after the ascension of Christ. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode uh, both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and all the disciples, and jump down to verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and here it is, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So Mary was faithful there at the cross, and then now after Jesus is gone into glory and ascends up into heaven, Mary is there, we find her in the upper room, faithfully praying, faithfully uh, assembling together with the disciples and the believers there. She was faithful, and this is the last time Mary is mentioned in all of Scripture. And we find her, the last mention, in prayer and supplication, assembling together with other believers. She was faithful. Now what will it take for you to stop being faithful to the Lord? Mom, a change of your plans when things don't work out just the way you want them to? Will that stop you from being faithful? Well, it didn't stop Mary. Her entire life was radically changed, and yet she maintained faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, what about disappointment? Would that stop you? I didn't stop Mary. There was probably nothing more disappointing than seeing her son hang there naked uh, on the cross of Calvary between heaven and earth. When she knew for sure that he was innocent, he didn't deserve to be on that cross. He didn't deserve the torture that he received. That was his little boy. That was the one who she gave birth to in Bethlehem's manger. She was disappointed, but she still stayed faithful. Because we find her in Acts chapter 1, still praying, still staying true, not giving up. We're going to face changes in our plans. We're going to face disappointments in our lives. But don't let that stop us from being faithful. God doesn't require us to be effective. He doesn't require us to be successful. He doesn't require us to be experts. But He does require us to be faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards, that a man be found faithful, or a woman, or a child, or a teenager. We can be faithful. You may not be the greatest, uh, the most effective. Uh, you may not be a lot of things, but you can be faithful, and we should be faithful. So, five areas in which Mary magnified the Lord. Let me wrap it up with this. Back in Luke chapter 1. The last verse that Jacob read at the very beginning of the message says this, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You see, as Mary magnifies the Lord in her prayer and praise time, one of the things she mentions was that she was rejoicing in God her Savior because Mary knew that she also needed to be saved. She knew that she needed a relationship with God just like everybody else. And she said, I rejoice in God, my Savior. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that He is your Savior? Oh, I know He is the Savior of the world, but is He, God, your Savior? If not, may I encourage you and 
plead with you that on this Mother's Day in 2020 that you would make the greatest decision of your life like Mary did. Place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Please do that today. And then for those of us who have, let's decide to magnify the Lord like Mary did by being pure, like submitting to the Lord as He leads and guides us throughout life. And maybe even completely, radically changes our life's plans. He's changed a lot of our lives in the last couple months. How are we doing? Are we being submissive to that? And then we can magnify the Lord by having a walk with God, by believing that God can and will perform miracles even in our lives today. And then let's be faithful. We can really magnify the Lord when we're faithful through the easy times, but also through the difficult times. Well, let's pray together this morning.